She is free, learning the truth about the lies that hold you captive. Chapter 7, Freedom from Shame, Part 2. The woman with the issue of blood dealt with shame in immeasurable ways. She was bleeding and therefore in Hebrew culture, unclean for 12 years. Within those 12 years, she would have been secluded and cut off from society ridiculed and alone void of connection according to jewish law when a woman was bleeding she was unclean and impure whether that be her monthly period the month of bleeding that occurs after birth like the woman with the issue of blood she couldn't have sex with her husband if she had one it had to be isolated from society and regular fellowship she could not worship God in the temple and when walking around in public she would have to declare that she was unclean. This would have been extremely embarrassing, isolated, and humiliating when she heard that Jesus was passing through town. Her desperation from for healing superseded her shame. She risked public ridicule and the possibility of making others unclean to see him. A woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. Because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering at once jesus realized that power had gone out from him he turned around in the crowd and asked who touched my clothes you see the people crowding against you his disciples answered and yet you can ask who touched me but jesus kept looking around to see who had done it then the woman knowing that he that had happened to her came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear told him the whole truth he said to her daughter your faith has healed you go in peace and be freed from your suffering mark 5 25 to 34 to go from captivity to freedom we must humble ourselves like the woman with the issue of blood and say i don't care what the cost is and i no longer care about what people think I will do whatever it takes to get free from this bondage. We must have the tenacity to push through and touch Jesus, even when others tell us to give up. Reach out for Jesus, maybe like the woman with the issue of the blood, who was separated from society and isolated from God's presence. You feel isolated and alone in your shame. The loss of blood and the repercussions of her condition would have left her exhausted, weak, anemic, and spiritually dry. The long sickness could have made her feel overwhelmed and alone on her journey, and the same could be true for you and what you're facing. She had spent all her money trying to find healing. The passage also she suffered at the hand of many doctors and only grew worse. So not only was she broke, but she also got sicker as each year passed. In the 
area where you need to be freed from shame? Are you going from person to person, spending all that you have, but receiving only band-aid solutions that aren't fixing the problem? Maybe you've been let down so many times by people that you find it hard to push through and throng your voices and trust God. The only thing that can bring you true healing is to reach out and receive from Jesus. The touching of him of Jesus' garment is significant. The part of the fabric the woman touched is known as the talit or prayer shawl. Fringes or tassels were to be sewn on the four corners of all clothing of Jewish men in accordance with God's instructions. The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the Israelites and say to them, Throughout the generations to come, you are to make tassels on the corners of your garments with a blue cord on each tassel. You will have these tassels to look at, and so you will remember all the commands of the Lord, that you may obey them and not prostitute yourself by chasing after the lust of your own hearts and eyes. Then you will remember to obey all my commands and will be consecrated to your God. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord your God. Numbers 15 verse 37 through 41. The tassels were to remind the Jewish people of God's commandments. They were tied into 613 knots to remind them of the 613 laws of Moses. 365 though thou shalt not laws and 248 thou shalt laws the tassels were in full view for everyone to see as a constant reminder to walk in god's ways to say on his behalf with his path of righteousness when jewish men were deep in prayer they would wear this prayer shawl over their heads to be covered in the presence of god the shawl were white and blue the white represents heaven the dwelling place of the lord and the blue represents the holy spirit the talent also represents authority king david was known as a man after god's own heart acts thirteen twenty-two. but before he became king the reigning king saul wanted to murder him david had an opportunity for revenge in a cave David's cohorts, also known as his mighty man, encouraged him to kill King Saul for Samuel 24, 1-7. Instead, he snuck up behind Saul and cut the hem of his garment, yet was conscience-stricken for doing so because it was an act that represented him cutting off the authority of his king. When Ruth lay down to at Boaz's feet, she placed herself under his talent or his authority to submit herself to him. Ruth 3, 1-9 When this woman, who had lived a life of shame and reproach for 12 years, reached out to touch Jesus, she didn't grab just what happens to be at arm's length. She was going to make this count. If she was going to go out into the crowd and risk making others unclean by physically touching them as she pushed through to her healer, she also risked making a rabbi, Jesus, unclean 
as I read this account, I wonder if she knew the significance of touching his talent. I'd like to think she did because when she reached out to touch the hem of his garment, she reached out for all it represented, all the promises and commandments from the word of God, God's covering and his presence and all the authority of heaven and earth that Jesus was given as God's son. The talent or the hem of his garment represents God's commandments the presence of God and God's authority. When you reach out to God for your healing and deliverance, realize that you are touching all the promises of the word of God. Every commandment he has given and that word became flesh and made his dwelling amongst you. You are touching him. Realize that you're touching the covering of his presence and all of the authority that is in heaven and earth through the power of Jesus Christ. When she touched Jesus immediately she felt power go out of him when you reach out and touch him it doesn't just affect your life in miraculous ways he feels your torch too he turns his face to you acknowledges and adores you in your public shame heals you and commends your faith in him he says to you daughter your faith has made you well mark 5:34 or in other words, your trust in me has made you well. The heart of the Father God is that you would understand that through your faith, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. Hebrew 11.1 1, In Jesus you are healed and brought into the family. You are God's daughter. As a daughter, you are an heir. To all Jesus has healing, love, freedom, eternal life, redemption, restoration of all that was lost, and so much more. Jesus is the Prince of Peace, and your faith, trust, and hope in him heals you and connects you to all that he is and all that he has. She is free, freedom from shame. Don't be that girl. Lot's wife is a good reminder to each of us about what not to do when being delivered from a life of sin and shame. Sodom and Gomorrah were about to be destroyed because their sin was so flagrant toward God. Abraham had pleaded with God to spare the city if there were ten righteous people living there, and God said he would, but there were not. Abraham heart was to spare his nephew Lot and his family. God put a plan in place to rescue them while still taking out Sodom and Gomorrah for their belligerent sin. God was gracious and merciful toward Lot and his family, yet Lot's wife ignored part of the plan of deliverance. Lot reached the village just as the sun was rising over the horizon. Then the Lord rained down fire and burning sulfur from the sky of Sodom and Gomorrah. He utterly destroyed them, along with the other cities and villages of the plain, wiping out all the people and every bit of vegetation. But Lot's wife looked back as she was following behind him and she turned into a pillar of salt. Genesis nineteen twenty-three through 26 God gave Lot and his family a rescue plan. Run for the hills and don't look back.
God says, look ahead to the future, but when we continuously look back at the place of shame God had rescued us and healed us from, we become a pillar to our past. Every time people look at us, they remember who we were instead of seeing who we are now. How people see us often has to do with the choices we make. When display the fruit in our lives and reveal our belief in who God says we are, God has given you a rescue plan. He is saying, run toward him and don't look back. In the hills, you'll find revelation about who you truly are. He wants to redeem the time and the things that have been devoured and destroyed. But it's possible for him to do so if we continuously ignore his instruction and live in disobedience. He has healed you. He has healing for you. Others may try to build monuments for you and remind you of your past. Remember that they answer to God not not you for not seeing you as you are don't worry about others judgmental behavior or lack of tact when they converse with you they need the love of god their issues are their issues so don't pick them up if you need others affirmation then you will strive to win the approval of people and in turn will reject the acceptance from the one who sent Jesus to cover your every sin. God has already put the stamp of approval on your life. When you are covered in the blood of Jesus, God looks at you and seeing nothing but a slate that is wiped clean, a son or a daughter washed as white as snow. Stop trying to prove that you're clean when you already are. She is free, freedom from shame, sex and intimacy, free of shame, Though sexuality is not the only thing associated with shame, it can be one of the most damaging areas of life because of its tremendous kingdom value. Just look at the abundance of sexual abuse, rape, prostitution, perversion, pornography, and human trafficking in our hypersexual culture. Sex has been perverted and covered in a blanket of shame. Mud has been thrown all over something that was designed to be beautiful, sacred, fun, and shame-free within the covenant of marriage. I once saw an ad for a documentary about sex titled something to the effect of sex the original sin. The world has no answer to the broken sexuality that we see, so it seeks to entirely remove shame from the the equation, asserting that sin isn't something to avoid. But the original sin wasn't sex. It was taking our own righteousness into our hands. Sex was created to be a beautiful physical representation of intimacy, which God designed to bring forth life and create as he does. In God's eyes, intimacy and reproduction go together. Sex was never intended to be dirty, self-seeking, or perverted. Because of the degree of bondage sexual sin subjects to so many, it's important we touch on it here. Because of my past, I had no idea how to have beautiful, powerful, and pure sex in the covenant of marriage. I didn't even know it was possible. I talked to many people who think that saving sex for marriage is an outdated concept. Sex as it was designed is not needs 
driven. It is a gift to be enjoyed in intimacy, connection, and covenant till death do us part. Paul and I didn't have sex until our wedding night. It didn't take long to see that we both brought our own baggage and shame to our sexual relationship. We began to cry out to God for wholeness and healing. God has been gracious to bring healing and insight in every season as it has been needed. It's been quite a journey and it's only gotten better and better. I can honestly say I am blown away at the freedom God has and continues to give us. We are more sexually free and fulfilled today than we have ever been, but we have both been committed to the process. After we had been married a few years, I heard someone speak about how sex is prophetic and it caught my attention. Can God be part of sex? Shame makes us think that God is embarrassed about sex, even in the covenant of marriage, and that we should be embarrassed to have him be a part of it. The truth is that he created it with a very powerful and special purpose and called it good. In Ephesians 5, the Apostle Paul explains that marriage is a profound mystery, represented Christ, the husband, and his love of the church, the bride. Every time that two come together in the covenant of marriage is a prophetic demonstration of Christ coming back for his church and becoming one with her. We have yet to behold this profound mystery because it has yet to take place. It represents the second coming when the devil and all the powers of darkness will be judged and thrown into the fire of hell forever. Every time you have sex in an intimate covenant of marriage, you are reminding the devil that he is fighting a losing battle. Sex is not just about having a healthy libido. It's also about understanding the power of sex and how it defeats the powers of hell. When it's perverted, it falls straight into the hands of the devil to twist into shame and selfish desires. But really, truly, it is a gift from God to be treasured and enjoyed within the covenant of marriage and to bring him glory. The new has come. There is healing and freedom for you. Shame is not yours to carry or walk in because it was removed. When you were reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. 2 Corinthians 5, 16-18 Even if it feels like the journey has been long, just keep going when the enemy comes to say, Shame on you, hear a whisper, resound in your heart. No, my daughter, shame on you. No, my daughter, shame off you. The truth. I have nothing to prove and nothing to hide. God takes me as I am. His love reminds me that my true identity is in him. I will no longer walk in the shame of my past, but in the truth and love that sets me free. Walking in freedom. This part, you 
can do and I definitely recommend it to walk in freedom, true freedom and deliverance. First, grab your journal and sit in a safe place. Ask the Holy Spirit to lead and guide you in your time together. Take a moment and identify obvious patterns of thinking or living that are negatively affecting your life. Ask Father God if these thoughts and ways of living have become pillars to your past shame and pain. Make a list. 3. Now, take the list and find the truth in the Word of God for each of the lies that you have believed. Set aside time to dig into the Bible and listen to the Holy Spirit. You may want to tackle one pillar of shame at a time. Be kind to yourself and work at your own pace. As you partner with the Holy Spirit, I specifically recommend Psalm 91, which has deeply ministered to my heart and reminded me of my inheritance in God. 4. After you've written down truths, put them up somewhere. You will see them every day. Begin to meditate on them and speak them out over your life. Try memorizing one that really resonates with you. You may not feel anything at first. That's okay. Truth is still changing you. Do whatever it takes to unearth the treasure that is yours to obtain. 5. As you encounter the healer and lover of your soul, ask what shame you've been holding on to as part of your identity. As a symbolic act, hold that shame in your hand and give it to Jesus. Imagine the love in his eyes as he willingly takes it from you. As you give it to Jesus, ask what he'd like to give you in return. In your mind's eyes, put it on, put it on and walk it in. Walk in it because it's now part of your wardrobe. She is free. Freedom from isolation. A man who isolates himself seeks his own desire. He rages against all wise judgment. Lie. Isolation from honest and vulnerable relationships will keep you safe from rejection, betrayal, and pain. Good news. Your heart is normal. Tears filled my eyes as I read those words from my cardiologist. While sitting in my office in Lower Manhattan, I turned to look at my window, gazing up at the Freedom Tower, as I still like to call it, even though its official name is One World Trade Center, laughing and crying at the same time at the symbolism right outside of my window of freedom. Two days before, I had been at an appointment with my cardiologist, getting an ultrasound to learn whether there were any abnormalities in my heart, causing the constant disturbing heart palpitation I had been experiencing that year. At those times, my heart felt as though someone was holding it in my chest and rattling it around, taking my breath away along with the heart palpitation, yet another bout of shingles had erupted on my hip. I felt chained to the reality that my body would react every time we went through a big season. In my head, I knew that this was a lie and wasn't in the character of my beautiful loving God. The counteracting truth is that he sent Jesus to heal my body, my heart, and my mind with the resurrection power that is at work within me. 
Because of this truth, I started to ponder what my reality is in partnering with and living in that healing. Truth be told, it had been a rough year. It was a year filled with much goodness, joy, triumph, celebration, and love. Yet the hard and painful things were trying to desperately be in my head to outweigh all of the good heart-wrenching moments kept dancing around in my mind like a creepy circus clown trying to get all of my attention. Friends, I thought I would have never forever were dropping like flies and stepping out of our lives and into new seasons. I felt rejection set in and started to act as a victim of my circumstances even while unhealthy thoughts swirled in my head. It's not my fault. I am a target for this stuff. This always happens to me. My heart was filled with such a heaviness that it may as well have been tied to a weight and dropped into the ocean. Subconsciously, I began to isolate myself from connection to others because it seemed safer to detach than to love deeply and to be hurt again. For years, isolation has been a strong tower that I've hidden in during times of pain to separate myself from reality. If I ever felt subject to circumstances misunderstood or unable to control others free while causing pain to those I love or myself, I'd subconsciously cut them off by drawing an invisible line in the sand because that relationship was now unsafe. For years, I allowed what others did to rob my heart of the peace that is my inheritance to walk in, come hell or high water. The problem was my strong tower was man-made, not God-made. Choosing loneliness over potential pain, Jesus, the Prince of Peace, slept through storms unaffected by fear. Matthew eight twenty-three through twenty-seven, and because He lives in me, I have ex- access to that peace at all times, no matter what others do, say, or think about me, no matter the political or environmental. No matter the state of my marriage, the state of the church, the state of the nation, the president that's leading our country, the, the horrible things I saw on the news today, circumstances does not have the authority to steal my peace and isolate me from love unless I surrender that authority. Isolating ourselves so we'll never be rejected is simply a different way of being hurt. It's choosing the pain of loneliness over the potential pain of loss. My isolating and by isolating ourselves, we attempt to stop others from rejecting us. But we simultaneously reject the love of God. In turn, we also reject the possibility of thriving in community, relationships, and relationships that are a part of our purpose. As we consciously choose to move past our desire to self-protect, we go willingly into the pain hand-in-hand with the lover of our souls who heals us and keeps us safe in the secret place. Psalms 91, 1. 
I love those words, the secret place. The secret place is a secret because it's unknown and untouchable by the enemy and his lies. In the secret place, his lies are broken down and void of power as we discover the truth that sets us free. Finding truth. Knowing I needed healing and freedom in this area of my life, I set aside some time to sit with a trusted advisor for a few sessions to pray, get counsel, and move forward. Through counseling a few members and through counseling, a few memories instantly came to mind. When I was a young girl, my mom used to overshare with me about her troubles, worries, and pain. I was incapable of processing them or carrying her burdens, but I still felt responsible because I loved her. I realize now that at that time she was doing her best and we have so many cherished moments. However, this pattern in our relationship repeated itself for years until underlying resent set in. Because I was subjected to these conversations as a child, I unknowingly took the role of the parent and a huge sense of concern rested on my shoulders. Sitting in a front row seat and witnessing the pain that her mom walked through, I always felt and felt a sense of responsibility while simultaneously feeling completely powerless to do anything about it without even knowing it, an invisible fortress of isolation became my safe place. I learned in counseling that this is um, related to something called attachment-related trauma. In simple terms, when I would walk into what my head had filed away for the years as unsafe situations, conversations, or relationships, something like a smoke signal would go off in my brain telling my body, warning, unsafe, abort. My physical reaction was then to respond with fight or flight. More often than not, flight was my subconscious response, though sometimes in the case of my unsuspected husband, it was to fight. Isolation became a safe place where I tried to protect my heart and mind in my own strength. Proverbs tells us that self-protection and isolation are not wise. And not only that, they are also self-serving. A man who isolates himself seeks his own desire. He rages against all wise judgment. Proverbs 18.1 Jesus stands at the door of a, our refuge and isolation and knocks. Revelation 3.20 ready to become the one we run to when it hurts so bad we're not sure where to turn he was the ability to transform our minds romans 12 2 and bind up our broken hearts psalm 147 verse 3 listen the name of the lord is a strong tower the righteous run to it and are safe proverbs eighteen ten. he wants us to connect deeply with him hear the truth as we are wrapped in his love and destroy the lies we've believed he wants us to connect with others even if it means we could be hurt again because relationships is worth the risk we are never meant to die to do life alone not to die, sorry. 
we were never meant to do life alone. Overcoming the orphan mentality. Isolation breeds an orphan mentality, causing us to merely survive rather than thrive, as we believe the lie that life all alone is safer. When we don't live aware of the life-giving power of Jesus that is working inside of us, we can tend to live as orphans abandoned to our circumstances, surviving through each day instead of flourishing in it. Don't get me wrong, sometimes survival is all we have to make it through the pain and loss we faced. However, there comes a time in life when we have to choose to grow up and do whatever it takes to move forward and live in our freedom. A woman in our church still on the journey, as we all are, broke down how an orphan mentality affected her life. Over the years that she's been a part of Liberty, I've watched her time and time again commit to the sometimes painful process of breaking lies and choosing to walk in the truth as a daughter of the king, even when she wants to run away to isolate and meditate and medicate. She shared an effects of an orphan mentality. One, a sense of being defective. I felt, and I have used these exact words, I will never belong to the rest of the human race. I would never be able to relate to normal people because I couldn't relate to the experience of a healthy, normal life. It was like an, being on the outside, always looking in. You feel excluded from humanity to lack of identity. You don't belong to anyone, so where do you get your identity from? Three, rejection. Somehow, you didn't make the cut, and so therefore were rejected. In turn, you reject yourself and others. Four, judgment. Without a concept of intrinsic worth you're always trying to prove your worth and therefore ends up with an internal scale on which you rank people based on your perception of their capacity to survive or their likelihood to be socially normal and accepted ironically you're most judgmental of yourself most people operating in the orphan spirit are mean to themselves. They may try to cover it up and therefore appear arrogant, but it is really deep insecurity. Five, deep loneliness. This is undergirded by a lack of capacity to connect to others. It's like you can't feel the love of others because of numbers one through four. It feels like a wall separated you from others. And six, self-defense. It's you versus the world. Seven, unhealthy need for affirmation, approval, and attention. These are all tied to a need for love, but they play out of different ways. Based on personality types, you may go and do crazy things or perform in order to feel something you may go in the opposite mode and become super 
isolated because it's too painful to feel and you need to shut it down. Eight, fear and shame. So much shame. You're basically ashamed to be alive and usually have no concept of grace or what the normal parameters for being human and making mistakes are. Every mistake and every failure brings incredibly sh- incredible shame because it enforces that something really is terribly wrong with you. It solidifies the lie you believe that you are actually defective and deserve to be rejected and then you're just afraid because the world feels very hostile, unwelcoming, and cold through your lens. 9. Lack of trust. There is so much confusion going on in your mind so you just don't believe people. I think it might be very frustrating to others because it's like pouring water on dry clay ground. Almost nothing seeps in and we dismiss anything positive people say about us because it doesn't align with our core perception of ourselves. 10. Relationship breakdown. There is an inability to go to a certain depth to see either break off the relationship or find ways to destroy it or move to another city or country because it gets too close. It's a subconscious decision to reject others before you can re- you can be rejected. You literally start convincing yourself the relationship isn't real. The person actually hates you and it's too good to be true. You just invent it in your mind and it drives people so crazy. They actually reject you. So it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. 11. Emotional flatline. You harden your heart more and more to protect yourself. I always say it feels like black and white. You don't see the color in life. You always may do crazy things to feel something, anything. 12. A sense of deep injustice. This can play out as anger or depression, which can be caused by repressed anger because you feel ripped off by life. 13. Limited capacity for visions or dreams. This is tied to a lack of identity. You don't dream because either you don't dare to or you haven't been taught to dream. It's hard to dream when your focus is on lack and you don't know your inheritance. You feel like you don't have permission to dream because when you feel so rejected, it's an incredible effort to have a voice or to project anything beyond the level of survival and then who will even care this may have been hard to read as you possibly identify with one or all of the effects listed above you may be asking yourself great so now what what does this beautiful girl keep on doing she keeps coming to the table she keeps showing up to God's table where her father tells her who she really is and she keeps showing up to be with the family of God on the earth. Is it always easy for her? No. Is it always easy for any of us? Of course not, but it's worth it. From orphans to family members, Whatever the enemy's destructive plans have been from your life, up to this point, they all aim to orphan you. He wants you living under the law and playing his game. 
making you think that you're separated from love, but you're not. This works itself out in countless scenarios in our lives as we look for counterfeit in order to connect and feel something like porn, one night stands, emotional affairs, picking fights, addictive masturbation, slander, gossiping with others to be in the know and more. Don't believe me? Let's look at Galatians. But when you are brought into the full freedom of the spirit of grace, you will no longer be living under the domination of the law, but soaring above it. And what are the cravings of the self-life I am referring to? They are obvious. Sexual immorality, lustful thoughts, pornography, chasing after things instead of God, manipulating others, hatred of those who get in our way, senseless arguments, resentment, when others are favored, temper tantrums, angry quarrels, only thinking of yourself, being in love with your own opinions, being envious of the blessings of others, murder, uncontrollable addictions, wild parties, and all other similarities and similar behaviors. Galatians 5, 18, 18 to 21. The Passion Version Translation when we are brought into the family, we have a father who loves us and a savior who literally died to see that we never have to. Even after we breathe our last, we live. Death has zero power in our lives and the Holy Spirit leads us into all truth. That grace and undeserved favor calls us out of our orphan tower of isolation and into a family we no longer survive and operate on our own terms. We have an understanding and who we are because of whose we are. In that place, day after day, a deeper knowing of our value and worth begins to permeate our entire being. We then understand that we have a place in this big beautiful picture that is his church jesus bride of the earth we no longer want to function on our own outside of grace during doing our own thing as the holy spirit leads us into all truth we begin to understand that a heart is healed within the dwelling place of connection to love and only through love for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For the Spirit which you have now received is not a spirit of slavery to put you once more in bondage to fear, but you have received the Spirit of adoption, the Spirit producing sonship in the bliss of which we cry, Abba, Father, Father, the Spirit himself thus testifies together with our own spirit assuring us that we are children of God and if we are his children then we are his heirs also his heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ sharing his inher inheritance with him only we must share his suffering if we are to share his glory but what of that for I consider 
that the suffering of this present time, this present life, are not worth being compared with the glory that is about to be revealed to us and in us and for us and conferred on us. Romans 18, Romans 8, 14 through 18. Amplified version. I love this truth. We are sons and daughters of God. Even the fact that there will be pain, trial, and suffering on this earth, it doesn't compare to the reality that we are fellow heirs with Christ in life, on this earth, or in death. No Longer Slaves one of my favorite songs of all time is No Longer Slaves by Jonathan David Helser and Melissa Helser. This song is a declaration of our freedom and identity in Jesus. It speaks of how we are no longer slaves to fear but children of God chosen from our mother's womb and brought into a family, his blood, the royal bloodline of Jesus Christ runs through our veins as a result of being born again, causing us now to be a part of God's family. This reality should change the way we live. If it does not, we can simply ask God to open our eyes so that we can find healing in his arms, the truth, and the arms that we are free to run to at any time as his daughters and sons. Another beautiful line in the song speaks of God splitting the sea so we could walk right through and we can walk right through it into safety of his rescuing love, alluding to Exodus 14 in the Old Testament when the Red Sea and the Jordan River were split for the Israelites so they could leave a life of slavery and wandering in the desert and walk into their promises in the foretelling sense it spoke to the sea of sin that would be split in two so that we could always be with the father son and the holy spirit in our land of promise and inheritance becoming who we were always created to be jesus spilled his blood and was subject to the beating that you and I should have received and became sin for us. He was obedient to death, the once and for all sacrifice. The moment he breathed his last breath on the cross, the veil that kept the people from the presence of God in the temple was torn in two, Matthew twenty-seven, fifty-one, and Mark fifteen, thirty-eight, Symbolizing our access to the Father, we are now the temple of his presence first corinthians three sixteen through 17 three days after jesus died when all hope was lost in humanity eyes in the humanity's eyes the father raised his son from the dead making a spectacle of the devil and all the powers of darkness giving us access not only to him but also to healing freedom and the restoration of all things on this earth as it is in heaven and in the life to come the isolated heart before i got 
the all clear from my cardiologist that my heart was normal a good friend said to me there's nothing wrong with your heart andy it's just trying to get your attention it's saying hey andy hello i'm here i'm not switched off i'm not numb i'm here don't ignore me think about it in the most literal sense what does the heart actually do it supplies blood to the rest of the body without it we are dead when arteries are blocked with calcified arterial plaque we run in risk of a heart attack the surgery to repair the heart can be performed only by a skilled cardiologist in coronary bypass surgery a blood vessel is removed and or directed from one area to another to bypass the blockage and restore blood flow to the heart muscle you may be trying to fix your heart issues on your own in isolation but a broken heart is in desperate need of open surgery by the father because it's on the the damaging pathway to shutting down our god is capable of much more than a bypass he can clean restore and cause your heart to function the way it was intended restoring blood flow and life to your entire being to be set free from isolation and walk in the truth we have to be willing to do the opposite of what has become a habit intentionally dismantling the lies that we don't belong that we've been rejected that we need to be on our own to survive and so on this may be done in the arms of god in partnership with a loving community of people who are committed to telling us the truth in love. The heart cannot function on its own. A heart is void of purpose without the rest of the body. Lying there during the ultrasound of my heart with doctors measuring up every chamber and ventricle, I was in awe watching the strength of which my heart muscle pulsed and pushed my lifeblood to my entire body the beautiful symbolism of what god has healing within me within all of us fills me with wonder and gratitude i've learned that trying to manage my stress and pain on my own has at times been a factor in sickness manifesting in my physical body the truth is i am not chained to sickness or stress relying on myself alone caused me to push down my emotions compounding heaviness without my heart and in turn breaking out in shingles staph infections heart problems depression and more instead of bringing them to my healer to manage something is merely to cope with or deal with it but god heals us spirit soul and body he has complete and total wholeness john ten ten. For us not just management solution he wants to heal our need to isolate and self-protect if we'll let him into our fortress he'd love to be close to you truth be told he already is as an extroverted introvert i've had to learn the difference between isolation and solitude on my journey to healing isolation is painful and lonely while solitude is what jesus often sought He'd steal away to be with his father. It's good to know the difference between isolation and purposeful solitude. 
isolation and self-protection from society, whereas purposeful solitude is preparation for society. I've learned that it's okay that I like to be alone, that I need solitude to thrive within myself and in turn for others. I've always turned and learned that my times of solitude are so much better when I'm aware of the constant connection I have to the one I love, the truth. I am a daughter deeply connected to the heart of the Father at all times, and my connection to others in loving community is worth the risk. Walking in freedom, steps to take. One, find a space, a safe space. Get out of your, get out your Bible and journal. If you've been using one, on this journey, quiet yourself. Consciously become aware of the presence of God in the room. Settle into that, and then audibly invite the Holy Spirit to lead you into all truth. Ask the Holy Spirit if there are any relationships that have made you feel powerless and therefore cause you to step into self-protection and isolation. Isolation can happen even while you're in a community and surrounded by people. It's a state of the heart. 3. If you feel ready, repent of protecting yourself instead of always allowing Father God to be your fortress and strong tower. Ask for forgiveness and forgive others who have made you feel powerless, rejected, or betrayed. Reference the forgiveness prayer in chapter 4 if needed. 4. Read the whole of Psalm 18 in the translation that you love. Consider the deep love that God has for you. See how powerfully he can protect you. Much more powerfully then you can protect yourself. Here is the beginning of that psalm in the NIV. I love you, Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield, and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. Psalms 18, 1-2 5. Have a plan from here on out. For when you are tempted to isolate, if you don't have a plan, you will naturally go to what has become habitual. When all you want to do is run away, what will you do instead? Will you first run into the presence of God? Will you keep showing up to the table with those who are in your life? Do you need to seek professional help to to partner with the deep work God is doing in you? She is free. Keep it personal. Then by constantly using your faith, the life of Christ will be released deep inside you. And the resting place of his love will become the very source and root of your life. Providing you with a secure foundation that grows and grows. Ephesians 3.17 Just a year after we moved to New York City, Every Tuesday and Thursday, my dad would hang out with Finley while her older brothers were at school so I could have time for pastoral meetings, study, message prep, and whatever was needed to build the church in that season. At that time, mom and dad lived up the street from us. 
our apartment had beautiful floor-to-ceiling windows, and each day, after he'd pick her up, I'd watch them walk down the street to my father's house, holding hands and chatting. You could see my father's joy and adoration as he listened to my wispy, blonde-haired daughter talk and talk with her little Minnie Mouse voice while wildly gesturing with her free hand. During that day, they'd do simple things such as laundry, cleaning, cooking, driving the church suburban to the car wash, and buying a treat at the gas station because everyone knows that's the real reason you go and fill up your gas. It was the simple things that bonded them, and to this day, they have such a sweet relationship. We all call my dad Poppy, but Finley calls him Papa. No one told her to do that. Their simple yet beautiful connection caused her heart to give him such an endearing name. There have been times on my journey when I have felt as though I was looking from my floor to ceiling window of life on other sons and daughters who walked in healing with their father. Just as I watched my daughter walk down the street with my dad, there were times when I look at others' lives and it would make me jealous, envious, angry, frustrated, and confused because I was so far from the freedom I desperately longed for, or so it seemed. Looking back, I now see how healing those moments with my father and daughter were for me. I wasn't just looking on as it, they forged a beautiful relationship. I was watching my father walk in his redemptive purpose. Somehow, this has been a precious healing salve for my heart, instilling me with hope. This is one reason why community is so powerful, not so that we can compare our lives to one another, but so we can see what's conceivable through others' victories when maybe we haven't tasted that possibility before. At a leaders gathering for our church, Finley came running up to my dad and jumped into his arms, squeezing him tightly and telling him she loved him. He had a twinkle in his eye as he touched her cheek gently and told her he loved her too. His gaze went shifted to me as I adoringly watched them, but he looked heartbroken. In his eyes were tears and regret, not the tears of joy he'd just had for my daughter. He looked at me with his kind eyes and said, Andy, I'm so sorry I wasn't there for you like this when you were little. Unable to hold back the waterworks, I just smiled and said, Oh, Dad, I have forgiven you. So much has been redeemed in my heart just watching you with Finley. We hugged, laughed, and cried intentionally, choosing not to live in regret. Our hearts desire is to continue to build on a foundation of forgiveness and love as we daily walk in our redeemed relationship. God often surprises us with his method and orchestrated moments on the journey to freedom. I wasn't looking or even planning to find healing in my relationship with my father as I watched the bond grow with joyful satisfaction between him and my daughter. Nonetheless, I have received deep healing and freedom along the way. Some of the places and moments you find freedom will stop you in your tracks, move you to tears, 
and take over your senses. Other times, a simple shift will come almost without effort until you look back and realize you're different than you used to be. Be open to different. Be open to adventure, wonder, and the unexpected along the way. Our our God is deeply personal and knows just what we need. Change your appetite. Along with the element of surprise and adventure comes our choice to make intentional changes that bring freedom. When I went off sugar, it wasn't easy. The one thing my body wanted was, you guessed it, sugar. I had to start to feed it things that would detoxify my body and at the same time taste amazing. I called my sister who is healthy and totally sugar-free and asked her, to send me all of the sugar-free, carb-free desserts, recipes she had in her arsenal. After a while of not having any sugar in my body, refined sugar in any form tasted disgusting and way too sweet. It gave me an instant headache and made me sick to my stomach. Once we change our spiritual appetite, we won't long for nor crave for the food of slavery. But remember, as long as we keep eating the same thing, that's what our bodies will crave. If we eat greasy, fatty foods, that's what we'll want when we're hungry. If we eat sugar and sweets every day, we'll continue to desire a daily hit of those. We have to consciously choose to taste and see for ourselves that our Father is oh so good. The whole Israelite community set out from Elim and came to the desert of Sin, which is between Elim and Sinai. On the fiftieth day of the second month, after they had come out of Egypt, in the desert the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There We sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Exodus 16, 1-3 This scripture always boggles my mind. The Israelites had just been set free from the very hand of God with signs, wonders, and miracles, and undeniable deliverance. Yet... They want to go back to slavery so that they can sit around pots of meat. Personally, I would rather fast in my freedom than die with good food and slavery. As long as we stay a slave in our hearts and minds desiring to eat the pots of meat from our past, we'll never taste the freedom and goodness that awaits us in our promised land, even if it comes with a fight. Right after the Israelites grumbled about wanting to go back to slavery because the desert was hard and they were hungry, God provided them with manna and quail straight from heaven each day. The manna and quail had a temporary purpose. They were never meant to feast on it for the rest of their lives. It was specifically for the desert season, which was preparation to fight for and take hold of the promised land. 
there is a season between deliverance and dominion that is called dependence. This cycle of stepping into freedom repeats itself in our lives time and time again. Deliverance, dependence, dominion. God is our deliverer and he has the ability to free us from any bondage in which we find ourselves after deliverance. We learn how to walk in dependence on God, understanding that he was all we need to thrive and find strength even if we still find ourselves in the desert. After our appetite has changed and we've received food from heaven and are depending on our God, it's time to partner with him and step into what is ours. It may require crossing the Jordan at flood stage or silently marching around and around our promise until the walls fall down and we obtain what's ours. It may look like slaying giants and killing beasts, or it may look like building a house, tending its garden and working the fields we've been given. This is what stepping into freedom and talking and taking dominion are like. These pots of meat we used to sit around and ingest in our slavery don't compare to the feast we'll eat when we get our hands dirty to attain it. I've heard it said opportunity is missed by most people because it is dressed in overalls and looks like work. Freedom can stay in the promised land too, unattained because it looks like hard work to partner with God and to get it. It looks like waking up with purpose, choosing to rise and sit in the Father's lap, listening for the game plan. It looks like radical obedience when he tells you what to do next, even if it means circling around your promise while people tell you you're crazy. It looks like sleeping through the storm when everyone else is losing their minds. It looks like rolling up your sleeves and jumping in with everything you have. In our healing, God comes with great deliverance and feeds us manna and quail to strengthen us and change our appetite from eating the meat of slavery. Then the times come when we're strong enough to go and fight for what is ours in the promised land of our freedom. We don't go in alone. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses aid, Moses my servant is dead now then you and all these people get ready to cross the jordan river into the land i am about to give you to the israelites i will give you every place where you set your foot as i promised moses your authority and territory will extend from the desert to lebanon and from the great river the Ephrates, all the hittite country to the mediterranean Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Joshua 1, 1 through 1-6 This passage tells us God is with us always. When we are inhabiting our promises and stepping into freedom he is there we need only acknowledge his beautiful presence in our lives and every place where we set our feet he will give us 
What freedom do you desire? What do you want? He is so kind and he has it for us. We need not him into our way of thinking. He loves us so much that he'll crawl into our boxes with us. But he'd rather bust their walls down and show us the wide open spaces we are called to live in. His thoughts, ways, and plans for our lives are much more breathtaking than we can imagine. How will you respond? When I was battling jet lag in South Africa, this particular line kept repeating itself in my mind and heart while I was trying to fall asleep. Responsibility is your ability to respond. Responsibility is your ability to respond. Responsibility is your ability to respond. Around and around, it went as the Holy Spirit tried to bore something deep inside of my heart. I shot up in my bed. Okay, I hear you. I'm responding. What do you want to say to me? For nights on end, God began to download several things into me, and all of them went straight back to the position of our hearts. God has made us powerful, powerful enough to receive or reject him. Powerful enough to walk with or without him. Powerful enough to respond to him and his words or not. It comes down to our free will and what or whom our will is submitted to. Our way or God's way. He has endless freedom for us. But will we step in? You see, our heart issues and the state of our hearts are completely our responsibility We like to blame those around us, our circumstances, upbringing, environment, and even God for our not flourishing in life. But the truth is, we are responsible for the state of our heart. Out of the abundance of the heart, our mouth speaks. So what's been coming out of your heart? Whatever bubbles out of your mouth reveals that. What is deep within you? Luke 6 verse 45. Our hearts are likened to a garden that we have the responsibility to tend. Don't believe me? Well, take Jesus at his word then. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds. As he scattered them across the field, some seeds fell on a footpath and the birds came and ate it all. Others, seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plants soon wilted under this hot sun. And since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Other seeds fell among thorns that grew and choked out the tender plants. Still other plants fell on fertile soil and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even a hundred times as much as had been planted. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Now listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seeds. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who bear the message and immediately receives it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. 
they fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. The seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lore of wealth, so no fruit is produced. The seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had been planted. Matthew 13, 3 through 9, 18 through 23. The purpose of soil in agriculture is to receive the seed until it grows into its intended matter and serves its purpose on the earth. Whether it's vegetation, trees that produce oxygen, food, or the like. If our hearts are likened to soil, then their purpose is to receive the seed that God scatters among us. Through his word, messages we hear, time with him, listening to his voice and heartbeat, godly leadership, and so on. The state of our hearts determine the well-being of the seed and its ability to produce 30, 60, or even 100 times the DNA that is within that seed. God wants to entrust us with more, but we have a responsibility to tend our hearts. If we continue to wallow in unforgiveness, bitterness, or offense without confronting the issue God has been allowing to come to the surface of our hearts for weeks, months, or even years, because he gives us the grace to deal with them. In each season, or while reading this book, our hearts will begin to harden. This is where self-protection sets in. Then, when seed is scattered onto our lives, we despise and reject it, not understanding all that God wants to give us. When we cultivate and take responsibility for our hearts, God can entrust us with more. Often, we have just have to wake up to the ability and respond. We can respond to life within forgiveness, canceling a debt that someone owes us spiritually, physically, mentally, or emotionally that they will never be able to pay. Repentance turning from our way and truly submitting our whole life, not just our big toe, to God. Gentleness, to be kind, not harsh. Patience, the capacity to accept or tolerate delay, problems or suffering without becoming annoyed or anxious. Love, the standard at which Jesus gave his life for us and the standard we are required to give to one another. We have the ability to respond to his goodness. It's his goodness that leads us to repentance rather than rules, law, expectations, or regulations. His invitation. He invites us into relationship and a life that flourishes. His call. Don't feel like you have a call. Just respond to Jesus' famous last words and you'll change the world. Go and make disciples. His invitation to rise up. Whether we feel like it or not, it's our responsibility. His love, 
I always say, loved people love people. So, will we let God love us? He longs to have every part of our hearts. His gifts and generosity, everything we have is a stewardship responsibility. So how will we respond to what he has placed in our lives? Children, money, gifts, abilities, time, family, relationships, and so on. What happens to us? This one is hard because so many difficult, painful, and terrible things have happened to many of us, potentially hardening our hearts. Will we partner with God to soften our hearts? Facing the pain and choosing to forgive and receive love is key, even if we don't feel like it. His word, God has given us so much in and through his word, but how will we respond to it? Fear. Yes, fear. Will we let it rule us or will we respond with love and faith? And so much more. Consider Abraham and Sarah. Abraham's response to his wife's negativity and unbelief in the seeming delay of God's promise of a son brought them Ishmael before they had Isaac. One child represents their way, and another child represents God's way, and both had to do with their response to a promise. In our lives, are we producing Ishmael's, or are we allowing God to bring about Isaac's? Are we going our own way, or are we willing to take the time to cultivate our hearts and bring about the good things? God desires to produce in our lives that will have lasting generational impact. We are impossible and we are responsible. Nothing's impossible. Keep it personal. Each summer, we take a month off and go on a vacation as a family to refresh, rest, connect, and have fun. On the last night of our 2016 family vacation in Hawaii, tears filled my eyes and Filled down onto the pillow as the beautiful memories filled my heart and flashed before my eyes. I lay there recalling the tender, fun, silly, breathtaking life lesson and heart connection moments with my family. And I connected help but smile, laugh, and cry all at the same time. So many emotions filled my heart, sadness and grief, that it was over until next year. Joy at all the laughter and fun moments we shared, the realization that my family, my kids are growing up so fast. Each vacation marks a tender time in our lives where we enjoy the moment, bid farewell to what has been and embrace what is to come while on vacation. Our kids have all learned to swim. Sammy has perfected the cannonball. We enjoyed hikes, waterfalls, good food, funny jokes. Long games of Monopoly, too many burgers and hot dogs to count. Shirley temples at sunset, salty skin, sand, castles, swimming in the gentle, warm waves of the ocean, finding creatures on the rock, bird watching, too many Disney Channel shows to count, and of course, cuddles and kisses without end. These times together are intentional and deeply personal for our family, filled with the memories that we talk and laugh about in the days, weeks, months, and years to come. Just like the connection to my family and my memories are deeply personal, so is your life. It's personal. Your freedom journey is deeply personal. The memories you create with the Father, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit are personal. Real and raw, 
your feelings are personal, your pain is personal, your relationships are personal, your life is personal. This book right now for you, it's personal. God has always been personal. You'll find that he's closer than the air you breathe if you just acknowledge his presence. Jesus is deeply personal. His breathtaking sacrifice, exchanging your life for his can't get more personal. The Holy Spirit, our gift from heaven, is so beautifully personal and always present. Recall and recount what God has personally done in and with you throughout the pages of this book. Look at how much encouragement you found in your relationship with the Anointed One. You will be filled to overflowing with His comforting love. You have experienced a deepening friendship with the Holy Spirit and have felt His tender affection and mercy. Philippians 2, 1. And there's more where that came from. Keep it personal. Keep it real. Keep it raw. Keep it honest. Keep Jesus and His love at the center. When we relegate our lives to empty, impersonal, self-protecting transactions, lacking engagement and connection, we can expect fear, rejection, and security and confusion to play with our minds and mess with our hearts as we camp out in isolation within our man-made strong tower of choice. Unforgiveness, fear, anger, shame, control, and isolation are all man-made fortresses in partnership with lies, with the lies from the pit of hell that builds walls around our hearts and lives. We need to let the healer close enough to break down those walls and in turn become our shelter and safe place. The enemy would love us to depersonalize everything and to keep us separated from true connection and love fearing constant pain and believe the lie that healing is for everybody else. Keeping it personal is so important. We've all been in conversations, maybe during a breakup or when being turned down for a job when someone has said to us, don't take this personally, but maybe in that moment it took everything in you to hold back tears, choke down the deep sadness rising up and push back your feelings in an effort not to show your true hand because for you it was and is personal it hurts it causes your mind to go down roads that lie to you and tell you that you're not good enough that you're not worthy or that you don't carry any significance on this planet why because life is personal no matter how many people tell you not to take it that way and god is personal in fact he is wild about you to such immeasurable depths that it's literally incomprehensible. Ephesians 3.18 How do you learn the truth about the lies that have held you captive and live free? Be found in the arms of the Father, the one who has all authority over the accuser. There, the life of Christ will be released deep inside you and the resting place of his love will become the very source and root of your life providing you with a secure foundation that grows and grows ephesians three seventeen, the healer mends our hearts and 
lies in countless moments and significance and seeming insignificance moments like watching my dad walk down the street holding my daughter's hand the moment when my husband reached out and pulled me into his arms to dance with him at his 40th birthday when he hates to dance but knew how much it meant to me in one beautiful and humble moment he simply yet personally reinforced his love and presence for me healing has come from the soft touch of my four-year-old stroking and kissing my hand for no no other reason but love and in eye-opening moments in prayer sessions when time seemed to stand still it has been in the tenderness of a friend's hand on my back when i when it seemed like all is falling apart and in the hot tears hitting my comforter in the midnight hour when the only arms holding me are unseen by the naked eye but seen and felt with the eyes of my heart these deeply personal times are the simple yet profound moments that take our breath away and make all things new as we continue to put one foot in front of the other day in and day out they are raw real honest dripping snot tear moments with the darkest night of our soul is chased away by the light of truth wrapped in a beautiful package of love where heaven's embrace wraps around us here on earth from our deeply personal closer than the air we breathe tender-hearted compassionate god as the life of christ is released inside of us he holds us to his chest and declares with explosive authority and power to the enemy of our soul as we rest in the safety of his protective strong arms he cannot touch her here she is free receiving the gift of salvation god wants you to thrive and walk in wholeness and freedom he has made a way for you to be his daughter adopted into his family through the life death and resurrection of his son jesus so that you can step into all he has for you in him is everything you need to walk in freedom maybe you've been trying to find your way discover what truth is and the meaning of life but jesus comes to us and says I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. John 14:6. He is the way to follow the truth you've been seeking and the fulfillment of life that makes all things new. Jesus, who was before all things and in whom all things are held together. John 1:1-3. Came to earth as man. The word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood John 1 through 14 Jesus came became sin for us that he would become the righteousness of God 2 Corinthians 5:21 He was a perfect sacrifice Hebrew 9:14 willingly laying down his life 1 John 3:16 on a cross so that we could be born again literally born from god by the receiving of his holy spirit john 3 1 through 21 when we confess with our mouths and believe in our hearts that jesus is lord romans 10 
9, not only are we born again, we also receive his Holy Spirit, the one of our salvation, that is a down payment of our eternal life. John 14, 15 through 31, 20, 22. We have the privilege of entering into his divine family as an adopted daughter of God. Everything that is God's becomes ours. Everything that held us back from speaking to God face to face is stripped away. When we choose to turn from our own ways, surrender our lives and ways of thinking, and make Jesus Lord and Savior of our eternal souls, we are reconciled into the family of God. Salvation is a gift that Christ paid for on the cross that we receive for free because there is nothing we could have done in our own efforts to earn and deserve it. It is a gift that is freely given because our great love for us, for God's great love for us through the cross and resurrection, Jesus rescued us from eternal separation from himself, hell, death, darkness, and pain by bringing us into his light and love. We are a new creation. Second Corinthians 5.17 he transforms us daily to become more like him as we choose to continually commune with him and abide in his love. John 15, 1 through 8. If you'd like to receive the gift of salvation through Jesus' death and resurrection, please pray this prayer out loud as you confess with your mouth what you believe in your heart to be true. Romans 10, 9 through 10. Father, I thank you for loving me and leading me to truth. I am sorry for living life my own way. I acknowledge that I have sinned and have fallen short of your standard by toiling for my own protection and provision, living by my own self-righteous standard I believe that you sent your son Jesus born of a virgin who lived a perfect sinless life to die for me and carry my guilt sin and shame on the cross I believe that he rose again on the third day after he died conquering sin and death and then was seated at your right hand. I believe that because of his sacrifice and resurrection, I am able to enter into a right and loving relationship with you. Father God, I now confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I thank you that I am now a new creation, born again and walking in your resurrection power and love daily. Fill me with your Holy Spirit so that I may be led into all truth. I no longer live for myself. I live for you, with you and in you. Thank you for loving me and for your grace that enables me to walk 
with you daily. My whole life is yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Congratulations. I wish I were there with you to celebrate this moment. Heaven is celebrating your homecoming, rejoicing. Here are some new and next steps you can take to help you thrive on this next journey and discover and reconciliation. Okay, tell someone that you just made this decision, preferably a follower of Jesus who can walk alongside of you. And then we're going to find a good church, uh, be baptized. This is a public declaration of a private decision between you and God and acts as a prophetic act of receiving a clean conscience. And this is a full baptism in the water, complete submersion from head to toe. Actively try to find a healthy church community where you can demonstrate to others the love you've received and it may be difficult to find a church and you may want to pray and look into the different denominations that's out there different communities um the church place wherever you're located in the world so just continue to pray about that and consider purchasing a Bible for yourself and start reading it today. And then every day for the rest of your life, I recommended possibly starting in the book of John because he constantly called himself the one whom Jesus loves. He was a passionate follower of Christ who had a healthy sense of identity. And so should we. How to identify a safe and healthy church community. I understand that the process of discovering a healthy, thriving, life-giving church community isn't easy at all. Community has been essential for me in the journey of healing. No church is perfect, but doing life alone has never been designed to live. The purpose of the church is to equip the saints, you and me. Ephesians 4 11 through 13 because we have been given the ministry of reconciliation 2nd Corinthians 5 19 to 20 we gather to spur each other on to love and good works Hebrew 10 24 through 25 and to worship God corporately in spirit and in truth John 4 23 through 24 a healthy church community should be uh, or resemble a family you don't always have to agree, but love is the foundation of your service and relationship. Just like a healthy human body, a hand cannot exist apart from the arm, which cannot exist apart from the neck, and so on. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 27. It's good to note that the church is not just coming together on a Sunday, as we have been conditioned to believe. It is a body that functions together week in and week out. We don't just go to church, we are the church and together we all are chosen and we have chosen vehicles to reconcile the world to their creator and father. The church is the one thing that Jesus proclaims the gates of hell cannot 
prevail against. Matthew 16, 18. Sunday worship or corporate gatherings are simply and powerfully a place for equipping, stirring each other up in love and good works and activating us to live a gospel-centered life Sunday through Saturday. Or Saturday through Sunday as Saturday-ish the Sabbath. With that in mind, we don't gather on Sunday only for what we can receive, but also for what we can give to one another. While this is not an exhaustive list, here are a few things to consider when searching for a healthy church community to do life with. Biblically-based, Christ-centered, gospel-centered, and disciple-making. Outward-looking, missional, balance of truth, grace, and love, and teaching, and environment an environment that is out of balance oftentimes negates the full gospel and causes extremes in the environment which can be damaging cultivation of community is some way shape or form whether through discipleship mentorship groups serving alongside others bible studies community transformation or the like one that is not just Sunday focused because it becomes easy to hide and simply attend church rather than become part of faith community that can challenge uplift and walk with you through every season of your life evidence of genuine healthy friendships in the community and in leadership evidence that the lives of the leaders align with their messages by example and integrity ability of every person to come as they are regardless of past and present circumstances or appearance and without fear of judgment or shame a place where you feel free and safe and would want to bring your neighbor friends and family what to look for in a counselor or therapist there may be seasons in our lives when we need professional help in partnership with what God is already doing in our hearts. Let me just say that there is no shame attached to that decision. Here are a few helpless or helpful things to consider. Are they Christian? When you are receiving professional help that has its foundation in the same biblical truth and understanding as what you are already working on internally there is potential for more open and trusting communication this is my personal conviction but not everyone would agree this can depend on various factors for each individual check what their areas of speciality are for example marriage and family addiction eating disorders uh, sexual abuse and so on and select according to your individual need try them for at least three sessions and don't be afraid to look into other options if you don't feel comfortable or do not feel as though they can really help you and note remember that a counselor or therapist is not your savior they are there to come alongside you to help facilitate freedom 
if you start to feel like you need them or if they make you feel like you need to go to them on on and on in this life talk to a trusted friend to get advice as to how to move forward remember jesus has already everything you need to live and walk in freedom he has done it all she is free conference this is in new york and go to www.sheisfree.com for more details and to register. They exist to equip and activate women to walk in freedom and see others set free. She is Free creates a safe and intimate environment where women can encounter God, experience personal transformation, and step into freedom, spirit, soul, and body.